coaching a third grade boys basketball team, and I'm talking about two totally different worlds, all right? Two totally different worlds. Uh, if you haven't been around like 12 and 13-year-old girls, I don't suggest it. Uh, no, I'm, okay, I, can't, I can't say that, right? Shoot, I'm already in trouble. Uh, all right, I'll leave that one. Uh, but it's my third grade boys that I feel like I have more influence over, all right? Uh, maybe even the most influence I think in my whole entire life is on this third grade boys basketball team. Uh, and I'm coaching them the other night, and I'm getting ready uh, to scrimmage. And the, and the boys love playing five-on-five scrimmage uh, because, like, that's when they get to be crazy. I've coached them for m- half or more of the practice, and we've, like, worked on drills, and we're in line, and we're doing everything right. And I'm trying to get them to do the things that we need to do, and then they're like, okay, we get a scrimmage which means they're running around, diving, sliding, tackling, tickling, like everything, it gets to happen during scrimmage. And so we're, we're getting ready to scrimmage to prepare for our game uh, that was on Saturday, of which we got trounced. Uh, we got rolled pretty bad, um, so we're going to build on that. Uh, but, um, but just as we're about to pick teams, one of the boys goes, hey, coach, can we uh, have captains and, and, and pick teams? Like first captain gets first pick and second pick instantly. Chills run down my spine and, uh, and I respond with the scars from my youth of being chosen last a lot of the time and what that felt like. And so I want to shelter these kids from that feeling. And so I respond out of that fear and out of that like, Ugh! you know, I mean, if... When I was young, I was pretty athletic. I was pretty athletic, but I was, like I am today, pleasantly plump. And so if you didn't know me, uh, often I got picked towards the end of, the, uh, of those lines. And so trying to uh, keep those kids uh, from those uh, feelings of inability or insufficiency or, or, or seeing or uh, not seeing themselves being capable and, and that, that idea of being picked last and what that feels like. And, and so all those thoughts are going through my mind and... Um, and, it, it, and, they, and I, and I want to say that oftentimes, I, it, it reminded me, oftentimes we can view our life through that same, that same way. Like it can, the way we view our life can directly affect how we function through life. And uh, as I was preparing this message, that came to mind. And, uh, and, and, and oftentimes what you see or what I see, uh, what we don't see, what part of a life we're unsure in, um, uh, that we're unaware of maybe, or that we're maybe very aware of, uh, what we view negatively or as an impairment or an abnormality or a deficiency can directly keep us from what you were meant to be and what, from you, what you were meant to do. And that really struck me as I looked at that parallel with coaching the kids and, and, and just kind of some of the feelings I had. And so for church today, we're going to look at some of these areas in our life. Uh, we're going to look at how we might uh, not see or be blind to uh, an idea or experience or uh, purpose that God very much wants to bring real clarity to for us. Um, an idea that is uh, very fitting for this Christmas season, especially during this series. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we started this series, Light the Way. Uh, and it's part of a whole network series. So there's six of us Christ the King churches that actually this week, you know, some of us bounce around and are doing different 
I came for. Uh, this week, all six of the campuses are actually talking about uh, the same topic. Uh, we're all focusing in on that this, uh, this week. Uh, and, 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 and we're looking at all throughout the uh, six services with Christmas Eve, uh, the different times that Jesus said, I came for. And he had a direct purpose in what he wanted to communicate to everybody of why he had come. And today we're going to look at the book of Mark. Uh, we're going to mainly be in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to kind of rest. We'll jump around a little bit. Uh, but this is specifically where Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I, uh, myself, I love, I love the book of Mark. Uh, one of the reasons is it's, it's one of the four stories in the, in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the Gospels, if you don't know what they are. Uh, and those are the stories of Jesus' life. Jesus is a pretty cool dude, trying to devote my life to him. So those four stories to me are in, in themselves uh, a great stories to start with. Uh, and, and the second is Mark writes more the way I think. And so it's easier for me to follow in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark writes, in, he focuses on the stories and themes throughout Jesus' life. So he focuses on the different stories, the healing stories, and all the different things that Jesus did during his ministry time that we talked about last week um, um, during the series. He focuses on that story. And I also like Mark because it's only 15 chapters. Um, I'm not usually a beginning-to-end reader, so Mark's 15 chapters, Luke's 24, John's 21, and Matthew's 28, so I usually leave Matthew out of it. Um, but of the cool stories of Jesus, uh, and, and this is even funny because I thought about this afterwards, Mark is, is the one that skips the Christmas story. So he doesn't even mention the Christmas story. So I was like, oh, what a better book. There's not a better book to, to talk about during Christmas, right? Um, uh, but uh, in, in, in Mark, he, uh, it's... This is super interesting, this theme that we're going to look at today. It's between chapters 8 and 10. Um, and uh, what Jesus does with his disciples during these chapters is he, he opens, or at least he tries to open their eyes to what he's all about. Why he came and what, what's going to happen. And in almost every case... Uh, there's an outside person that Jesus is talking to. Then he teaches the lesson. He kind of teaches it to the disciples then uh, strategically. And then the disciples then mess it up. They, do, they usually do something different than what Jesus is teaching them. Uh, and they respond in a different way. And almost, almost every case, Jesus says, well, you don't get it. And the disciples are trying. Like Jesus says, uh, who do people say I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ. And then he says, well, then I will die. And then they're like, well, wait, wait, wait. We don't understand, right? Uh, and then he says, Jesus says, well, in order for you to live, you have to deny yourself uh, and lose your life. And they're like, hmm, that doesn't make sense either. They didn't get that. Uh, and Jesus is doing all these things. And then as Jesus is doing all these healings, what are the disciples arguing about? Who's the greatest among them? Rather than what Jesus is doing right in front of them. Uh, you have the transfiguration where Jesus appears, bright light, blinds. Uh, the, the disciples, the three disciples that are there with him and two disciples that are there with him. And then uh, Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this until I raise again after I'm dead. And they're like, what? What does he mean by he's going to raise again after he's dead? And then another instance, Jesus says, uh, let the children come to me after the disciples have said, no, kids, you can't 
go to Jesus. And then Jesus says, actually, you got to be like children to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are like, what? That doesn't make sense either. And then towards the end, you have the rich young man, rich young ruler who left sad because Jesus told him, you must give up everything. And in that moment, the, the rich young ruler was thinking, what's in it for me? Like, I thought if I gave, then I would get something in return. And Jesus said, no, you actually have to give everything, everything up. Um, and it's in these stories, and that's just in those few chapters. It's in these stories that Mark really wedges those actions in what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples between two actual stories of healing of blindness. And the foretelling that's in these two stories is, is uh, pretty amazing. One is in chapter 10, which we'll get to towards the end, uh, and one being in chapter 8. And uh, Jesus, there's a blind man, and <laughs> this is the way I like to see the story. There's a blind man. He's in the town. Jesus uh, is going to heal him. He spits on his hands, because that's how you hear bl heal blind people. You spit on your hands. He wipes it on his eyes. And literally, it says this. The guy opened his eyes, and he said, the, the people are like blurry trees, okay? So Jesus, I don't know if he was healed of being blind yet or not, but I'm thinking, like, Jesus' spit is in his eyes, and he can't see clearly. So Jesus <laughs> takes him out of the town, and they have a conversation. Jesus says Jesus touches his eyes again, wipes his eyes, and then all of a sudden he can see clearly. And uh, the foreshadowing there of levels of clarity was really interesting to me as Jesus kind of jumps into, it's probably not how it happened, but that's the way I like But there is some foreshadowing there of the levels of clarity that Jesus is talking about. That first, at first, he, he, he wanted Jesus to heal him, even believed that he would heal him, but it was blurry at first. And then Jesus takes him out of the town and has this interaction with him, and then comes great clarity in healing uh, in this moment. And you see, at this time, not very many people actually believed Jesus to be the Messiah. So this Savior, this person that was going to come and rescue and restore and deliver uh, all of his people. Even the disciples, as you read through some of those stories, don't believe Jesus to be the actual Messiah. Because um, they're, they're wondering, they're looking at what he's doing, they're actually testing his strength and ability, the disciples as well as even the uh, religious people, the Pharisees at that time, and, and, and looking to see what he's doing that's Messiah-esque, that's worthy of what they see uh, of what he was came to be. They are in a sense testing him. Uh, and trying to see how powerful he was going to be. And for most of them, uh, they don't get it because they don't see the Messiah that was to come uh, to be anything like the Messiah that Jesus was uh, acting like and being based on who he was hanging out with. And at this time, if you remember, uh, during this time, the Jewish people were still under direct, they were under direct um, oversee of Rome was in control of them. So they were oppressed by the Romans. And so the, the Jewish people really, really wanted the Messiah to come in and what? Totally wreck Rome, like level Rome and, and then elevate them above out of their oppression and, and deliver them from, um, from, from the Romans. And so uh, they thought Jesus was uh, coming uh, or wanted him to come or expected him to come with a whole different 
persona and a whole different piece. And this isn't new. You've probably heard this before. But even in Isaiah, uh, it's foretold, it's uh, prophesied that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on him. And it said to proclaim freedom from the captive and release them from the darkness for the prisoners. And then Isaiah 42, open their eyes, open the eyes of those that are blind to free captives from uh, prison and to release them from the dungeons who sit in the darkness. And so this Messiah, and it's, it's all throughout Scripture, talks about deliverance, talks about freedom, talks about release, talks about delivering people out of the darkness into the light, talks about clarity, talks about being a savior, a deliverer. But people hadn't seen that yet, and so they were kind of perplexed with what Jesus was doing. If you remember, they even went back. John sent them back and said, are you actually the Messiah that we've been looking for? Should we look for somebody else? Um, and I don't know about you, but I often feel the same way. I think uh, we can often get caught up in the same misunderstanding of who Jesus is and thus miss what he came to do and in, uh, and in turn miss what we may be called to in our lives, what maybe Jesus desires for us in purpose. That we have a certain idea about Jesus and it's a little different than the way we feel he's acting in our lives and because of that we might miss it. We might not grasp the whole thing. So the first blank in your outline is uh, oftentimes what we want to see can cause blindness. What we want to see can cause blindness. Do you get that? So like what we desire to see from Jesus, what Jesus may be doing in our life, we, or what we want him to do in our life, we often can focus in on that so much that we miss and are blind to what he may be calling us to do and how he may be calling us to, to act and live out in our lives. And I think we can do this easily uh, today. Um, if, we, uh, if we are to think of Jesus as our savior, as our freedom bringer, one who releases us from everything that holds us captive, uh, the struggle in our lives, we see a lot like the Jewish people wanted to see, uh, Rome destroyed, order restored, freedom from oppression. In our lives, it, maybe it is uh, we expect a deal of betterment for ourselves, um, maybe our marriage to be better, our kids to be better people, uh, maybe my workplace, uh, what, maybe to be uh, simpler or more efficient, um, maybe church to be exactly what I want it to be, and, or maybe um, we expect... Uh, to be in a better status in our lives, and we expect Jesus to kind of bring us that. Maybe that's materialistically or financially. Oftentimes we think that, that we, we want God to work in a way that's going to deliver us financially and, and so that we prosper in the ways we think we ought to prosper. Uh, I'm going uh, to read scripture from my phone. Sorry, I've only done this one other time. It's bigger and it's white. And so Heather gets on me when I don't read well in, in my little Bible. Uh, and so, uh, but listen, Mark 10, uh, 35 uh, through 44, it says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, 
Let one of us sit at your right and the other sit at your left in your glory. Uh, You don't know what you're asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that uh, I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup uh, you, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, and Jesus called them together and said, you know those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be uh, a slave for all. And then it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. And what's happening in these verses is these two guys are vying for a title. They want to be at Jesus' right and Jesus' left, and that's what they desire, and they're asking Jesus to give them whatever they need to be in those positions. And Jesus is saying, you know, he's almost saying, I get why you think that, because in your life, you're lorded over. There's authorities over you, and they oppress you, and they push you down, and you gotta earn your way up. What's different, what's different about why I came is that you need to be less. You actually need to serve everyone else in order to be elevated. And I can imagine that that just goes against, uh, maybe even more so for any of us that sit in here today, uh, goes against everything that they know and understand at that time. Mark 10, 42 through 45, let me repeat it. It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know those who have regarded rulers over the Gentiles, lord over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. You must be willing to give up yourself for other people. And not just the ones you like, right? Live your life as a service for others. In Mark 9, 35, sitting down, Jesus told the 12, he's talking to the disciples. He's saying, anyone who wants to be first must be Last, right? And a servant to all. Right? John said it. Uh, We looked at John the Baptist last week. John said, I must decrease and he must increase. So this theme is going through here. And oftentimes, I think for us, we tend to look towards or focus on our increase. How I can be elevated, how I can obtain, how I can uh, have a title or a position or a gain. What's in it for me? Um, and that wasn't Jesus' agenda by any means. There's, there's actually nowhere that I, could, and I tried to think of it, a place where Jesus had that in mind. I heard it put this way uh, this week in my reading, uh, in my studying. Jesus came... So we may understand the difference between a title and a towel. I'm going to explain that because maybe you're like, I need a little explanation of that. Like, I don't get it. Jesus came so we may understand the difference between a title and a towel. So Jesus at this time was thought to be Lord, was thought to be Messiah. 
had come to restore, to deliver, to bring out of the darkness, to bring light. He was Lord and he had that title. But those around him knew that he had come to be the Messiah and he illustrated it by his actions. And when he got down on his knees and with the 12, he washed their feet. The lowest of low, the, the position that is not aspired to at all. The 12 of them are gathered and Jesus has taught this lesson before and he is, he is commander of that room. They are following, they've given, most of them have given up their whole entire lives to follow this guy. And to teach them this lesson, he gets down on his knees and washes each one of their feet. And like one of the most amazing actions of Jesus' Jesus's display for his disciples. And do you remember Peter's response? Peter's like, no, you can't wash my feet. I think Peter probably had some like stank feet. Um, but he says, you can't wash my feet. And Peter says, and Jesus is like, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. And he's like, fine, wash my whole body then. And he wants, and I think in that moment, it could have been a really cool story. Like Jesus could have foretold like, Jesus, or Peter, uh, much like you desire for me to wash your whole body when I die and when I come back, you will wash, be washed whiter than snow your entire being by my death and resurrection. No, he says, Peter, you don't need a bath. You don't need a bath, and I'm going to wash your feet. It's not, about you, uh, it's not about you having me wash your feet. It's not about you having me wash your whole body. It's about serving. It's about the posture that I'm, that I'm putting on display for each of you to see. It's about your service. And you see, Jesus is trying so desperately to teach us. And as we, as we maybe even discuss things much like the disciples, who's the greatest among us? Like, who's got the better job? Who's got the most money? Who's got the better car? All those things that we maybe aspire for or desire with a position. I got into this discussion this week. Uh, I was sitting uh, I was sitting at the school and this person comes up to me and is like, hey, and he starts just telling me all these amazing things he's doing. And I was just like, take it back. Like I, I actually had to have a conversation with this person in a long time. And, and, he, and, he, and he talks about all these things that he's doing. He's like, and you get it. You do all these things as well. And, and I fell into the trap. I fell into the trap of, of selfishly promoting a title, the actions that I do do, the image that I try to uphold, and, 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 and hearing it in him and then feeling it myself, I felt myself kind of fall into that trap of aspiring those things, doing the things that you or I may do for the recognition of it and not out of a service for. Church, as Christians, we, uh, we need to do Christmas differently. We need to do life in general differently. Uh, he uh, gave his life as a ransom for many. He, although was Lord, even though uh, the disciples weren't even probably willing to wash each other's feet at all, uh, Jesus got down and washed their feet, and that was Jesus' ministry. That was part of Jesus' ministry all through his ministry on life. He used position, and he used his power, uh, and his person to serve other people in every instance. In every case, it was about serving others. Be a servant to all. He had authority over them. Not so. Instead, whoever wants to be great must be a servant, must serve other people. 
Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself. And he didn't only humble himself, and what we're going to read the rest of that verse in a second, he didn't only humble himself when he went to the cross. He humbled himself in, in every town that he walked into, every interaction he had, and all the lame and the sick and the people that he interacted with. Jesus humbled himself over and over and over and over and related to people, got down on their level and served them. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name above every name. And at the end, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Christ is our example for Christmas and actually in all of our lives in general. Christ calls us to serve those that are around us. Now, we have an opportunity to do that this Christmas. As a church, we've set up a ton of opportunity for you to serve. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's not about filling a bunch of holes and watching a bunch of kids. It's actually about giving and serving those that will come. Those that you will invite to come, maybe for the first time, maybe they'll revisit, maybe the community will just come out because they love the cookies and the, and the idea of a candlelight service. They love the ideas of a tree lighting and watching a movie as a bunch of people. And it's not about just filling those holes. It's actually the opportunities to serve, whether it be with the different opportunities we have or just in general this Christmas season, it's for you. It's for you. Because when we serve, when we uh, put forth that opportunity, we get, I believe, to be so much more clarity in how God created us. We get a glimpse of the, I mean, Clark talked about you guys are going to have a blast doing this stuff. And that's truly what it is. Giving and serving at a level where we give up, where we even, you can call it sacrifice. It's a lot of fun if you want to call it sacrifice, but we give up so that others, and maybe others that were in a similar sh shoes you were in at some point, where they, you were invited into maybe here, maybe somewhere else, maybe the first time you set foot in the church, maybe a book club, maybe something where you just felt like, man, these people are here because they care for me, and they actually are pretty excited I'm here. It's kind of weird. I don't even know them, right? It's our opportunity to serve and give back to those that are in close proximity. And, and, and for a lot of them, you've heard me say it, there's maybe only a couple times a year where they come into that close proximity and get a glimpse to see who Jesus is. Christmas, Easter. Somebody told me just the other day, I ran into them, they're like, hey, it's about time for me to come to church again. Christmas, right? And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome anytime, but we have a four and a six o'clock service. No, I did do that. And here's, 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 here's an, an, another little challenge. I was going to send this out to like the ministry of the years or whatever. I just throw it out to everybody. Every single day for like the last 10 days, I've invited two people to church. 
every day. It's been hard because I'm running out of people. I got a lot of days of December left. But I've invited them maybe because they have kids and they might want to sing in the sing in the kids choir. I've invited them not to like just uh, come fill a seat like it's going to be amazing. No, because it's getting them in the close proximity of you guys, and I'm excited. If I can, get, if we can get people in the door, I know you guys will love on them, and and they'll get a glimpse maybe for the one time of the year of who Jesus is. And so just after Jesus declares this idea of, um, of, uh, of saying he didn't come to be served but to serve, uh, he closes with the story of Bart. Bartimaeus was a blind guy that, and I remember I told this story a few years ago where I actually walked you through the different steps he took to, to get the corner of the, the Jericho and how every day he'd take this journey to get there because he was blind. And Jesus rolls by and, and, and he calls out, Jesus, if you're willing, and, and, and then uh, Jesus calls him over. The disciples at first were like, Shh, be quiet. Like, it's Jesus we're talking to. You don't need to yell at him. Like, he'll come if he wants to. And Jesus calls him over, and he heals him almost instantly. And, it, and it, in that verse, it says, uh, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I kind of get that as a glimpse of twofold. One, what we get to see when we choose to give our life devoted to serving Jesus. Like our eyes actually become open to a whole new level of the kingdom when we serve out of that posture. And then two, for a guy like Bart or a person that you maybe are serving in your life and invite into understanding who Jesus is, the clarity that they can almost get and being like, you know what? There's something different here. And it makes sense now. And, and, and you strike up that relationship. See, it's our obedience in serving, serving with the heart of Christ, I truly that believes the, that unlocks that clarity for us in our ministry, in our calling, that's unmatched by a lot of different opportunities that we have. Through service, we see, uh, we can see this world and the people in it with purpose and meaning that is truly in a different way than we normally would be these people that, are, that have yet to come, right? Our obedience to serve increases Christ's influence and in why he came. Our obedience and willing to serve other people increases Christ's uh, influence and in why he came. Amen? Let's pray.